The Simon Shore Podcast is presented by Boxscore Network. Boxscore Network is your one-stop shop for all things NFL podcasts. You want game analysis, betting lines, hot takes, and fantasy advice? Check out Boxscore Network. Follow Boxscore Network on Twitter at Bscore Network for updates. Oh, hi, and welcome back in to another episode of the Simon Shore Podcast. I am Simon Short. We have a jam-packed episode for you this week. Uh, we are talking with Muhammad Mehdi. We are covering a bunch of stuff. We're getting some Lions fan reactions to the first three weeks of the NFL season. Uh, we are getting some talk on the Damian Lillard trade that has finally happened in the NBA. And then we're having a deep dive discussion into Marvel TV, Marvel movies, the MCU, a Loki season two preview, which is less than two weeks away. We get into a bunch of stuff ton of fun having that conversation with muhammad as always but here at the top i want to start with a ahsoka recap of episode seven not really a recap just where we're at with the show what i'm enjoying didn't do anything last week because of some scheduling stuff but also it's kind of a quiet episode last week episode six where we were moving back into the hunt for ezra and thrawn um journey of the of the show very little time with ahsoka during episode six but obviously the highlight of episode six is six was getting thrawn and ezra introduced into live action which was extremely exciting if you're a fan of rebels if you're watching ahsoka and you're not and you didn't watch rebels or clone wars you probably have some mixed feelings you get this weird blue guy that's supposed to be the big bad of the show and he's he's looking out of shape his hair's funny he's really blue his eyes are red um, and I know even some fans of of Rebels don't love this iteration of Thrawn, at least from episode six. We'll see what reaction episode seven brings. But I but I, I did enjoy it. And the reason why is I think the big thing that really stands out. Yeah, he's blue. You just have to get over that. But I, I think him at being a little out of shape, looking looking a little looking a little soft in the middle was a bit of a shock. But in Rebels, the only time we really see Thrawn's physique is uh, one scene where he's in a muscle shirt taking on a couple of death droids. So it's a very small part. Him, he He's not the villain of Star Wars that is getting into a fight himself. The thing that makes him so sinister and, and, and evil and, and formidable is his brain, is his military acumen, his ruthlessness. His ability to really study and, and understand most of his enemies and, and most of most of his enemies. So a few key details that get left out, such as every kind of heartless villain. But um, we'll, we'll continue to see what what he brings to the show. But I, I'm I'm very happy to see Thrawn, Ezra, and that portrayal was incredible from the voice, the mannerisms, the connection with Sabine, which. Some people are reading as as romantic. I'm I'm not reading that way. I'm reading it very much like like Rebels, the show where that never happened, other than Ezra's early on infatuation with Sabine, being a you know Ezra was then a a preteen to early teenage boy with a a teenage girl in, in his midst. So um I I think Ezra has been fantastic. Um we'll we'll get into some of the really cool parts of him here talking about episode seven which starts with uh, Harrison Dula at, at her hearing for her generalship with the Security Council. This scene was fine. I mean, it was cool. We got C-3PO in it. I, I did love that. Um, I just, every every moment we spend with Hera in the show, 
unfortunately, is taking us away from the main action of the show, which is the hunt for Thrawn and Ezra, which is Ahsoka exploring her past and feelings and relationship with the Force and, and you know, the Jedi and everything. Um, and as excited as I am to have Hera back and have Hera in live action and, and enjoying the portrayal of Hera here as well, just this storyline being back in the politics of it um, is really what is the least interesting of the really three storylines we're getting by following these three characters. Um, and every moment we we spend there just takes away from the other uh, stories, which, which is, which is frustrating. Um, but it was cool to see C3PO and uh, I, I am grateful that we have Hera here in live action. Uh, I'm not going to go scene by scene, but I did want to hit this next scene here. The Ahsoka training scene on the ship where she's going through her forms um, we get an Anakin hologram played by Hayden Christensen once again, um, kind of giving her giving her a little speech, giving her a little lesson as he goes. I love this. Uh, uh, parts of the speech, including the line, um, I'm your master. It's my job to help you to, to keep you protected. And the best way I can do that is to help you protect yourself. That is from a line we also get in the Tales of the Jedi, a, a, a series of shorts. Um where three episodes focus on Ahsoka and her rise through the Jedi ranks and her time learning from Anakin. It, that That's a line in one of those episodes. Um, it, it's just really cool to see more of their relationship here. And we find out that Anakin made about 20 of those holograms for Ahsoka to keep. And it seems like she's played them a, a, a good amount of times, which is, it's pretty, it's pretty emotional. It's really cool to see that bond that they, that they shared. And, um, if you are someone who, again, didn't watch Clone Wars, hopefully you're seeing a little bit of that. You might not know a lot about Ahsoka to this point, and you, you definitely don't know the full depth of the relationship, not having spent those hundreds of episodes really, or, or a few hundred episodes uh, watching um, Clone Wars. But I, I think I think even just from this, you can really get the impact they had on each other. So it, it, it was really cool to see that scene. Um Let's see. Thrawn learns uh, that when he gets once the scouting report basically on Ahsoka, he learns that she was Anakin's Padawan. This is key because in some of the old Legends canons books, um, Thrawn is revealed to be one of the few people that knows that Darth Vader was once General Anakin Skywalker of the Jedi Order. So it's conceivable that he kind of pieces that together here. He we we see him say. Um, Hey, we know based on who her master was, she's uh, reckless and and uh, prone to violence or, or anger, something along those lines. We, we just get a glimpse of like, oh, he knows Anakin and he can make the connection that if Anakin trained her, she's going to be similar. And, and that helps him develop his plan of knowing what to do and how to deal with Ahsoka. Um. We cut to Ezra and Sabine. I really enjoyed their scenes together. We get we get the funny line of Ezra getting caught up on everything that's happened since he's been gone. And he's running through the list and he's like, oh, so and so the Emperor's dead. And and Sabine says, that's what they say, which just had me crack up because, you know, somehow Palpatine returns. Um, Ahsoka and, Bean, and Sabine have their, their little force moment where Ahsoka reaches out through the force. That was really cool to see. Even if Sabine never has a gener uh, a, a mainstream connection with the Force that we see, we see the moments where she tries to open a door or move the cup or, or, or attack Shin um, in, in their fights. Um, to see her ha be able to have some sort of 
even more passive connection with the force, I think would be really cool. The more we explore the force and um, the Jedi way and the teachings and, and things like that, I, I, I really enjoy that. So I, I think if we see Sabine have some sort of connection, but not in the general uh, or, or the, the, the sense that we normally think of when it comes to the Jedi using the force, uh, I, I really like that. I, I think that's pretty cool. Um, we see Shin and Balin split, you know, part ways uh, at, in this episode where Shin is basically going to stay with Thrawn and, and Morgan and, and kind of go back to their galaxy and, and discover this new empire with, with Shin kind of having her seat at it, Balin says. Um, and Balin's off to find some mystical power that lives on this planet that he thinks can help him in in his quest we still don't know exactly what that is my theory has been he wants to restart a jedi order that is very different than the one he grew up in um but he has said that he wants power he has said he wants to start at the beginning he's tired of the back and forth of first order and rebels and republic and uh all that sort of stuff in the empire um he seemed very over what the Jedi Order had become and, and accomplished and done. So we're we're gonna we, we see him and Ahsoka face off again in this episode, which was really cool. Uh they kind of came to a draw and he says to Ahsoka, um, you know, you can't beat me. And she says, Perhaps, um, but I don't need to, basically. And she ends up escaping under cover fire from Huang. Um this was a cool moment because when they faced off in episode four, I believe he had this whole speech about how she always chooses violence and, you know, destruction is always in her path. And here she walked away from a fight to go and protect people that she cared about. Um, and he kind of gives a look at the end, like maybe he was thinking along those lines, like, huh, maybe maybe she's not exactly what I pegged her for. And maybe that's reading a little much into it. But I, I, I. I read that as a pretty cool moment. Um, Sabine and Ezra, meanwhile, they're being attacked by Shin and, and a group of uh, bandits or, or mercenaries. Um, and this was a cool scene because we get to see Sabine get more and more comfortable with the lightsaber and in these battles, whereas Ezra is not using a blaster for the most part. He's not using the lightsaber at all. Sabine tries to offer it to him, and he has the moment of like, no, that's yours now. Like, I, I've become stronger with the force without having that so we see him uh, do get busy and do and do a lot of uh a lot of cool moves and, and and get just as mixed into the battle as we would expect but really really utilizing the force uh with, with force pushes and sensing his, his surroundings so it's just it's cool to see we haven't seen ezra in 10 years we haven't seen him since the rebel days but we can easily see just from this scene that he's continued to to hone his uh, abilities in the force, which which is also um, a lot of fun. Um, let's see. I mean, th those are my main things. Where you know, look looking ahead a little bit, we have one episode left of the show. We weren't really sure what these last two episodes were going to entail in terms of what's the big ultimate climax going to be, and it seems like it's just going to be a race to who gets off of this planet and and this canon and this Disney canon. We don't quite know. I mean, everything that we're getting right now between Andor and this and all that is leading up to how does the First Order come into play? So we got to imagine some version of this doesn't go the way we necessarily want. I don't think they're necessarily going to 
beat Thrawn out of there and and he's not going to make it to the other galaxy. There's probably going to be some sort of chase where just about everybody makes it out and and we see who kind of makes it out on top once we get back to our galaxy we know uh long ago far far away um but we'll see and, and you know balin presumably is going to stay there and try and do something interesting but balin and, and shin have been a, an awesome introduction for those characters into the star wars universe um i've loved ezra and thrawn uh seeing thrawns again uh ability and, and propensity for strategy uh in this episode was was really good and i think really important uh for people who haven't watched him and for the people who have watched him and other things um and yeah I, i'm still really really enjoying the show i thought episode six was a bit of a reset a slowdown but i thought episode seven was fantastic I'm really looking forward to episode eight and and we'll break episode eight down a little more fully i think next week um so yeah, stay tuned. Well, with all that said, without further ado, let's get to the rest of the podcast with Muhammad. Enjoy. Hey everyone, I'm Ronan Summers and I want to tell you about the Stat Sheet Podcast. Every Tuesday, you can hear me and my co-hosts break down the biggest games and analyze what's happening around the NFL. Follow the Stat Sheet Podcast on Twitter at the Stat Sheet Pod and subscribe to the show wherever you listen to podcasts. Hey everyone, I'm Ben Parker. And I'm Robert Zenvire, and we are the Odds on Favorite, presented by Boxcore Network. Every week, we analyze NFL point spreads, over-unders, props, futures, and much more. Follow us on Twitter, at Odds on Favorite, and listen on Apple, Spotify, or anywhere you get your podcasts. everybody welcoming back in mr muhammad medi muhammad returns to talk uh all things really we're covering a lot of topics here tonight a little mcu we've got loki coming up in a couple weeks muhammad's lions are uh the talk of the town still that's going well and um damian lillard was traded from the portland trailblazers today so that was that was a big thing we'll we'll, we'll hit that a little bit but muhammad first off welcome back in how you doing Thanks, man. It's been a while. I feel like my podcasting skills uh, are need a little dusting off. <laughs> Great way to open the podcast. Just like, hey, everybody, welcome in. Uh, this isn't going to be that good. It's going to be a good time. No, listen, we're we're going to have fun. I'm, I'm going to get you all, all greased up and warmed up, ready to go, because I'm just going to give you five minutes here. We're going to do a Lions fan check-in. You and I did a Steelers-Lions fan check-in two years ago. I don't know if you remember last that, year, but... We probably did one last year too, but the first one, I'm talking when Mason Rudolph played and the Lions and Steelers tied. That happened, right? That was a tie. Yeah. yeah, yeah. In the COVID season and the middle of a bunch of, and I was just thinking, is this my life when Ben Roethlisberger retires and the Lions still didn't look good? That was Goff's first year in Detroit. Um, Things have, things have turned around, man. So how are you feeling? How, how is the Lions fan feeling today? Dude, we're so good. Uh, it, it is great for the first, uh, first game of the season. When we played the chiefs, uh, I went out to a local sports bar here and I dapped up a man in a Barry Sanders Jersey. And that kind of made my night. Like there was a, a real good buzz, not only in that bar, but all around the world. 
with us Lions fans. So right, it's been man. a real good season so far. I'm still a little bitter about the Seattle loss. Um, that easily could should have been a win. Mm-hmm. Um, we just couldn't close it out, and our defense was looking rusty. Um, but I'm real hype about the rookies. I think is probably my biggest takeaway of the season. Um, like Brian Branch on defense is huge. Mm-hmm. Um, Sam Laporta, fantastic. Uh, mm-hmm. And then Jameer Gibbs um, mm-hmm. all have been great. I mean, they've been um, immediate impacts uh, on the team. Um, I also saw that David Montgomery is coming back. Um, so mm-hmm. those two together, Jameer Gibbs and David Montgomery together have been a, a real good combo. So it'll be really interesting. Green Bay is a must win tomorrow. Uh, it's not a must win, but um, no, no Lions fan wants to, lose to green bay and especially when they have jordan love so uh we got to beat them um i think it'll be a big one of our biggest tests of the season Uh, i know kansas city was probably the biggest one thus far but in terms of playoffs and if we're looking that ahead that's probably where uh, my my eyes go is, is that's a must win yeah the rookies i will stand by that i didn't like how the draft played out for detroit in terms of how you should handle a draft. But I think a separate, but also very connected conversation you can have, maybe not separate, but the other side of that conversation still all just boils down to how many good players did you get? Right. Um, and, if, and if you get three good players in the first two rounds, and I mean, Jack Campbell doesn't look too bad either. So if you get four good players in the first two rounds, like that is a win, no matter what the value is and no matter i mean even if you talk about okay five years from now let's say you know you don't sign resign jameer gibbs because he's a running back well to still get four years out of a rookie that's still only like a 50 50 shot for for most teams anyway so right. um it is cool to see them play and see them play well in their respective roles i do like that the packers game is going to be huge especially because you know we weren't quite sure what this nfc north was going to be this year uh vegas set the bears over under at seven and a half i think everybody that wasn't in vegas was like that's insane but the fact that that the bears are looking a lot like what we expected keeps things open um but minnesota we thought it was going to be minnesota and detroit kind of going for it and minnesota's having the start they're having so that feels pretty good and then for green bay as the preseason was rolling we were thinking okay you know these young guys could be ready a little bit early um, but like you said, Thursday, you know, as this episode gets released, will be will be a great test, and and that should be a really fun game. Probably the best primetime game of this of this week in, in the NFL too. So um, that'll be very very exciting. All right, that is a good NFL Detroit Lions check in. Um, happy to see you thriving, Muhammad. Happy for success for you. Uh, let's hit this Damian Lillard trade here for a few minutes. Uh, I haven't even started really thinking. NBA stuff just yet here on here on the podcast in a few weeks we should be doing a preview with our buddy Kevin Smith but um this is obviously huge I mean we've been waiting on this for for months and in some cases for some people we've been waiting on Dame Lillard to be traded for a couple years obviously the news cycle around the Milwaukee Bucks has been heavy the last couple weeks with Giannis continuing to say like I'll sign an extension when I believe this team is a contender, and this is obviously a move in that direction, or at least for that point. But to the details of the trade, Portland trades Damian Lillard to Milwaukee. Um, They are getting back essentially three first-round picks. They're getting a 2029 unprotected Milwaukee first and pick swaps in 28 and 30. Um, They're also getting DeAndre Ayton 
from Phoenix, and Phoenix is getting use of Nurkic, Grayson Allen, Nasir Little, and Keon Johnson. Mahomes, when you saw this trade, just uh, initial thoughts, what, what were the first things that came to mind? Dude, I think it was really cool to see, well, super teams are great, uh, but um, the Buffs didn't have to really, really give up that much for for uh, for an upgrade at their position. Um, Drew was getting a little older, great defensively, but I think Dame is obviously great, uh, a great scorer and um, not the best defender, but can definitely um, uh, definitely be competent in that area. Um, I think this automatically boosts them to the top of the East, um, which, which, which is fantastic for them. And um, I think definitely a step closer to, to, for them to sign, re-sign Giannis and, and keep him happy. Um, I think it'll be interesting to see how the, the rookie head coach kind of manages mm-hmm. multiple stars as well. Um, and, and how Giannis and Dame can, can kind of fit in together. Um, I think they'll, they'll, I think they'll fit in really well. I think the work, work ethics of both of them, our, our, our peak. Um, and I think I've over the past few hours, I've just seen a lot of kind of tweets and past videos of Giannis just complimenting Dame. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's been, that's been really cool. Uh, so I think that I think chemistry wise, they'll, they'll start clicking real, real fast. Um, <clears throat> honestly, I, the only teams I can think that could probably match up to them are the Nuggets and the Suns um who, who are also part of this trade um but but yeah it's going to be really hard to, to match that star power especially with the east being especially for those teams in the mm-hmm. east with the east being kind, kind of rocky and all these teams being in flux uh bucks are automatic uh favorites to win the east now yeah yeah absolutely i i haven't checked the lines or anything but i'm sure they have jumped heavily in their favor i'm just kind of scrolling back through I mean, I, I think people are naturally down on Boston right now, thinking thinking back on when they made their big trade of Marcus Smart for Chris Tapps for Zingas. Obviously, Miami uh, has lost key pieces from their team that went to the championship last year. Toronto's still in flux. Philly's still in flux with the whole James Harden situation. So, yeah, Milwaukee definitely has to be the frontrunners in the East because it's it's rare to get the superstars that – the superstar trade – that feels like a perfect on-court and off-court fit. Because like you said, the work ethic between those two guys, talk about two guys that just like nose to the grindstone, you know, just ten, 10 toes down, never run from the grind, says Damian Lillard. Did you listen to his diss track yet, by the way? Not yet. Oh, uh, yeah. Well, the everybody check out Damian Lillard's Twitter. I, I, I haven't listened to it yet myself, but I think I retweeted it also. Um, but... Uh, two guys that like that literally just care about winning and i know we can some people can point to the last couple of weeks with Giannis, uh those couple interviews that he's had some people could talk about dame wanting out of portland whether or not you think that was more dame centered or portland centered or or whatever but the fact of the matter is for about a decade now between the you know uh for each of those guys all they care about is playing and winning basketball games. That's incredible. Yeah, you hate to see Drew go because he was really the second best player on this team uh, for Milwaukee last season with Chris Middleton in and out of the lineup. I think his offense was underrated, but it's cert. I mean, Damian Lillard, uh, may, I think he made an all-NBA team. I can't even remember now, but at least by play standards had the – all, all the arguments to make one despite playing like 50 games for a losing team or something like that. Um, so I think 
on the court, it's going to be an incredible fit. I think that pick and roll is going to be great. I think this lessens the load of Giannis having to create, which is still not uh, a strong suit for him. And from a defensive standpoint, Damian Lillard's shortcomings defensively had always been highlighted by the fact that there weren't really very good defenders in Portland around him. You know, you can go back to the mid-2010s with Mo Harkless and Alfred Camino, and that helped having that length on the wings. Uh, you could talk about the early days of Yusuf Nurkic being on the team, but Nurkic had fallen off defensively the last couple seasons. Um, this Milwaukee Bucks team, even though it will be a, a first-time head coach in Adrian Griffin, like this is going to the defense is going to carry over. You have Giannis, you have Brooke Lopez. Middleton isn't the best um, on ball defender, but he's got size. This Pat Connaughton is still there. This team is still built around playing defense um, with all those guys. And then Damian just adds that like flamethrower capability, making this offense into an elite, uh, elite kind of group that, that that this team it has felt like it's missed since. Um, it, it went on that championship run. So that it's a really big deal. Uh, it's really, really cool. What did, what did you think about it from, from these other teams? You know, obviously we had mentioned Phoenix trading DeAndre Ayton for multiple pieces at one point. Um, they get four pieces. Nurkic, who I mentioned, Grayson Allen from uh, Milwaukee, Nasir Little and Keon Johnson. I don't know. Uh, what I do know is those four are going to be great regular season minutes filler type players. Mm -hmm. I don't know between the four of them if you have two guys that you feel confident playing big minutes in the playoffs for, but that is a a, a long term thought, right? Like you can work that out later. You can work that out at the trade deadline, buyout market, stuff like that. Um, but getting these four guys to help get them through the regular season for a roster that, not just from a talent standpoint, but a true number standpoint, was pretty depleted. You know, what did you think about this for Phoenix? Kind of getting in on this trading eight and, and getting four guys back. Yeah. I think you hit on it. Uh, just adding the depth into uh, a roster that really centers around four four players. Is it three players now? Beal, Durant, Gosh. Booker. Yep. Oh, yeah. and uh, Bull Bull four. <laughs> oh yeah. Yep. Yep. You're right. You're right. <laughs> uh, but yes, just just adding more more depth to the to the team. Um, I think uh, you know Nurkic while. Uh, defensively not not the best can definitely add, add in some scoring um which can help um it'll be interesting to see Grayson Allen also uh in in the mix um but I think he can uh, provide good off-ball shooting for them um especially off the bench um I, I think like you're saying with um with with those three players uh they're they're definitely going to need their rest during during the regular season. Yeah. Um, so even taking that load off a little bit by adding this depth uh, can can definitely help. Um, on the Portland side, I think they they got probably the best offer that they were going to get. Um, especially for for the most part, all they were getting from what we heard was the two first for Miami and Tyler Hero. Mm -hmm. um, so mm -hmm. that that like looking at this deal, they they really got a steal with with three first rounders and Drew Holiday. Um, who we were talking right before we started the pod, they can turn into to more more picks or whatever asset yep. um, for, for the franchise. So it seems like a win-win-win um, for, for everyone in, involved. Yeah, I, I don't even know. Uh, thanks for bringing that back up because I don't even know if I remember to say Drew Holiday once we actually started talking about this. So yeah, Drew Holiday and, and Woe just tweeted that they're already making calls and engaging with people on, on flipping Drew Holiday. So wherever he ends up, 
that's going to be interesting. Could it be another situation where he helps push a team over the edge into title contention? Could he go to Miami? I don't that. I mean, take what Kyle Lowry was last year right. and just kind of bump that up at that. Mm-hmm, I think he gets into Miami. I think that would I think that would be a great fit. I would love that move. Um, but yeah, depth for Phoenix. I still I do think when it comes down to and and these guys uh, emerge as time goes on, right? There there's probably like ten or eleven names on that roster I'm interested in right now in terms of just kind of filling out the the eighty two game schedule, but how it pairs down to the playoffs and do we feel like as we get to the trade deadline, like oh I don't really know who their their real eight are that we feel good about being right. in a playoff game and for portland it i mean we were talking about tyler hero joining these young guards that they already have on the team shade and sharp um uh being being that off guard position that hero would be kind of coming into so instead of that they still get picks they get a, technically an extra pick we could talk about if we think how good we think those swaps will be although in in five years, they they might be pretty good with what we think Scoot Henderson could become. So who knows? Portland might exercise all all of those swaps plus that twenty nine uh, unrestricted pick, and uh, and to ha- keep those guys in place, add the picks, and then get a young big man to go with them in DeAndre Ayton, who we've seen had have some incredible highs um, for Phoenix over the years, and he gets a chance to reset and continue his development with a young team who won't be yelling at him and having, you know, we have to win a championship right now aspirations that that could be a good fit too. So, I mean, Scoot, Shaden Sharp, um, and DeAndre Ayton. And, and for Portland, again, it's just that reset. Like, okay, we don't have to be on this two, two timetable tracks. We don't have to be on, be war, on Damian Lillard watch. Like we have four good young players and we'll just continue to build. Right. Honestly, I think this that team could win 30 to 35, um, depending on if everyone's firing on all cylinders, um, which I'm sure they don't want, um, but but they, they just might get there from, from a talent standpoint. Yeah, that would be interesting. And, and who knows? Maybe maybe somebody – maybe they want young players for Drew instead. Maybe right. maybe they do Drew and Anthony Simons for, for like a real stud wing player. You, you, you never know, right? Um those two big money contracts build around the other three. Um, anything else? Anything else on this trade, Muhammad? We're we're not fully in basketball season yet, um, but but this was obviously a huge deal we wanted to get to. But anything else for you on, on the NBA front tonight? I'll just say NBA media was just hilarious, just like social media of, of NBA. Uh, so it's it was back, good to baby. be back um, yeah. and away from all the Taylor Swift, Travis Kelsey memes and such. So I'm I'm glad we got a reset on that at least. Yeah, yeah. Uh, go to go to Jimmy Butler's Twitter. Um, if you if you haven't seen it already and you're listening, and you will, you will see why. And that's a whole nother level of discourse that that we won't quite get into tonight. But um, yeah, great stuff. NBA Twitter, we're we're back, baby. Love love to see it. All right, Mohammed. Let's uh, we're gonna take a short break. We're gonna hear from a couple other Box Score Network podcasts, and then you and I are going to get into our main topic of the evening. Hey, I'm Connor. I'm Billy. And I'm Austin. And we're the host of the Tricky Takes podcast presented by the Box Score Network. We talk about all things sports ranging from golf, baseball, football, NBA, and all college sports. Come give us a listen and make sure you follow us over on Twitter at Tricky Takes. And that's tricky with two eyes.
Hello everybody, Brandon Tim here telling you all to listen to the Fantasy Football Franchise, a podcast giving you the insights to help you win your fantasy football leagues. Together, we will look at everything fantasy football, from the platforms we use to navigating weekly player projections. Listen to the Fantasy Football Franchise, a Box Score Network podcast. We'll see you at the next episode. And we're back. All right. And if you are a listener of this podcast um, and it's your and you've only ever started listening like since Boxcord Network has come about, I think this is the first time I've had Muhammad on since then. Muhammad is our uh, Marvel, DC, fandom, movie, pop culture uh, aficionado on this podcast. He comes on to talk this stuff with me. So we're going to take a little break this week away from uh, NFL and sports talk here uh, for tonight. We're going to talk about the MCU and just kind of where we stand. We're uh, two weeks out, I think two weeks. I can't do math. Uh, wow, a week and a half uh, out from Loki season two coming out on Disney Plus. So we wanted to just have a quick Marvel check in. Um, I mom and hadn't been on the pod in a while. You never got to come on to talk about secret invasion. So we need to catch up on some feelings there. We'll talk a little low key and we'll just talk about where, where's the MCU at right now and, and how are we feeling? Um, especially amid, uh, writer strike delays. And, and it sounds like the writer strike has come to a, a resolution and, and we should get more details on all that, but that's fantastic to hear. Um, both from a content standpoint, but most importantly, writer getting their uh, compensation and and um, the work the work related things that they've been looking for. So that's fantastic. Um, and now we can just kind of it's a good reset. We planned this before we knew the writer strike was going to be resolved by now. So now it's also kind of just a look forward at at what's coming down the pike for the MCU. But Muhammad. Just just briefly, man, I mean, I covered Secret Invasion. I think I talked about all six episodes uh, here on the podcast when they came out and gave my overall thoughts. But just what were your thoughts on, on Secret Invasion? What do you think went wrong? And, and what, if anything, do you think carries over to future projects? Yeah, so I uh, wasn't able to watch this weekly like I usually do with MCU shows. Um, and I, I find that that's a, a good way to watch these to yeah. kind of get some space between each episode. Mm-hmm. So I kind of like binge <laughs> over the course of two days. Um, and it just got more and more ridiculous. Um, I think yeah. it took itself way too seriously. Um, a lot of inconsistencies. Um, Gaia was a little overpowered. Um, and mm-hmm. maybe the most, like the strongest MCU character alive. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm still mad about the roadie plot plot twist, um, which we saw coming. <laughs> um, and I I think the biggest thing for me is just like you're just gonna go back and mess with the past like three four movies that we had mm-hmm. with Rhodey. Mm-hmm. Um, because what it implied was that Rhodey's been uh, a scroll since uh, Civil War. Uh, mm-hmm. So that kind of wipes away good memories and content that we've had with that yeah. character. And it also doesn't really make that much sense if you go back and watch. Um, ultimately, I kind of was just sitting there and like, why does this show matter? And especially like three, four months out, why does it matter? Yeah. Um, and so I, I think I think that's kind of where I'm at. This is the show is kind of forgettable, right? Like, why why did we need this? And so this also this show and we'll talk about a few other shows that were launched or mm-hmm. uh, conceived of during um the Bob Chapek era um of like let's load this with content um i think we're we're coming 
towards the end of that. We're probably in the middle right now, um, but there, there are a bunch of shows here that, and, and content here that maybe we could have gone without, especially um, especially with the, the quantity of, of projects we've gotten since the start of Phase 4. Yeah, I mean, it, it has been an overload for sure. I, I when we've been having these conversations about here, especially about phase five, but you know, halfway through phase four, just about comparing it to the infinity saga, the overload of the content and just what it all means. And, and we'll get to the kind of comparisons of that in, in a little bit, but we got more, we got one more movie in, uh, phase four then to phase one and phase five into phase two so two two more movies in phase four and five then one and two and then what was it six six shows something like that right. um seven show, like whatever it was so um def, definitely a lot going on again I, I won't completely bore everybody with more thoughts of mine on secret invasion but yeah the roadie stuff i think it's very it's become pretty evident since the show ended that Marvel is also leaving it intentionally vague with Rhodey to kind of see where things go. Um, and especially now from a real world standpoint, like where uh, development of do shows go with Bob Iger, like which stuff they get greenlit. Okay. They have some room to play with, with what um, the reveal at the end of secret evasion means for Rhodey um, and to see how everybody feels about him potentially being gone. Um, this was a nice way to bump up some rewatch numbers where they, you know, uh, uh, they essentially said, um, Kevin Feige said that he wants people to go back and like watch the old stuff to try and see when the switch happened and stuff. Um, which if you have the internet, you don't really need to do now, but it's still, uh, just, just a quick kind of recap on, and I mean, you talked about like, what was the point of this? Well, let's just check in on, on what characters we have, have around still. So let's do a dead or alive check. Um, they killed Talos in this show. They killed Agent Maria Hill in this show. Rhodey was captured for how long? Everett was, uh, Agent Everett was captured for, for how long, right? He appeared in Black Panther. Was that him? Was that a scroll? We don't right. know. Um, yeah, Gaia is just out there and like maybe stronger than Captain Marvel right now. Who's to say? Uh, listen, I'm all for getting more Amelia Clark in, in the MCU, but um, it, it her emotionally, the Gaia character didn't work great in this show for all things that I said while the show was running. I can't imagine what binge watching this would be like because at least week to week, you got the discourse and the theorizing with the fans of like how this could still work. And for you to go in, like I didn't tell you much directly about it. I, we're, we're spoiler free over here, but um, – I'm sure you knew from the discourse, like it wasn't good. And to sit and just kind of have to watch the show as it was parts one through six and be like, wow, this is tough. Just, just like not great. And yeah, my, my biggest thing is what did we accomplish? Because in the first two episodes, they set up so much or, or hinted at so much that fury could be dealing with and learning from over the course of the show. And none of those messages landed and then the the scroll at the end of the day could go live back on on the Cree homeworld anyways, and it was just like okay, well, I'm glad we I'm glad we killed all those people and and had that big almost you know nuclear war over this, and now the scroll are hated by the United States military. Right. So, um, every everything's great. Yeah, just did it did it make you? And we'll kind of we'll we'll kind of talk about this as we go, but like. The, the slippage that people have been feeling from some of the MCU stuff and then all kind of cultivating in this show 
or we didn't have much else. We didn't have anything MCU since then until here we have Loki in two weeks. Did it leave a sour taste in your mouth in, in terms of where Marvel is? Or because you got to binge watch it, did it kind of just feel like dust your hands off white, white, uh, right off and, and it's over? Yeah, I think I had like I've heard I'd heard the finale was wasn't good. So I just braced myself and I was still disappointed. Mm-hmm. Um, so I definitely had that sour taste in my mouth. Uh, but it's been like three months. So I think I'm I'm ready. <laughs> I'm good. We're back. Um, I, I think the time definitely helps. Uh, but it's just I think it the state of this studio and, and this content, it's just we're just not at a good place. Yeah. Well, let's spin that into a little bit of positivity, do a Loki preview here. Um, Loki, as I said, premieres October 6th. It's six episodes. It is the second season, so it's the first season two that we're getting uh, in this Marvel TV adventure, um, which is a great one to do because I think is widely regarded as the best MCU show that has come out. Um, so, Mohammed, we're going to cover basically just expectations, stakes on both sides for, for for both the MCU and for the MCU, right? So, like, where we are within the MCU story, but also for the franchise and, and what Loki's role will be kind of, you know, through the MCU moving forward. But just what are you kind of expecting for Loki? And I guess, like, are are you back? Are, are you know, Are you right back to being excited and ready to go for this thing in two weeks? Yeah, man. Uh, Loki is one of my favorite, like the first season was one of my favorite seasons and just yeah. seasons of TV in general. So I'm definitely stoked. Um, I actually rewatched the, the trailer today in, in preparation for this conversation and they, they have me right back in. Um, I, I think just seeing Owen Wilson and um, Tom Hiddleston together, um, they, they've really just kind of hit it off um, in, in that dynamic. And I think what I appreciated about the first season, while stakes of this were like higher than ever, I think they really focused in on character development and um, relationship dynamics between between the core group of characters. Um, and, and I imagine they'll kind of continue that on into this season. Um, it'll, it'll be really interesting to see kind of where they pick up um, and if they talk through events of the other movies, if they mention Multiverse of Madness, uh, etc um but yeah overall i'm stoked i think this will be a good comeback um i think they're they've been banking on this to be a part of the look look at us we're we're back uh similar to what kind of the guardians three role was mm-hmm. um in terms of stakes within the mcu um i think um it'll be interesting to see uh i i imagine this will be probably um a way that they can connect all of this multiversal storytelling i feel like we've had a few different strands of multiverse um and and so i imagine this will be probably the one where they kind of tie it all together um and and talk through this is how things connect which my initial assumption was after the first season of loki leading into multiverse of madness we would have seen that um but now my theory is they they're kind of playing the long game with this of just like this is a multi-phase arc of the multiverse. So I imagine we'll get a little bit more um of that. It's gonna be it's gonna be so fascinating to see. I like you, I'm trying to not jump the gun on the the continuity spectrum, right? And where all that plays out, because yeah, we've multiverse of madness, Spider-Man, no way home. 
Um, even the what if series, we theorize could something come out of that. Um, and and Loki season one, we we thought all of these things would kind of help the MCU move forward, whether it was in like a slate clearing aspect or a pull everybody into one place at one time aspect. And we haven't gotten that yet. And so we're just kind of waiting for it, waiting for it. And from I, I, I watched the trailer also just before we recorded and you know, we, we know we're moving through time and, and it seems we're following Loki in his what they call time slipping very, very much like across the Spider-Verse, by the way. Mm-hmm. I'm sure I'm sure you felt that. Um, and he's, he's going from place to place. He doesn't seem to have control of it. We don't know exactly what, what this leads to, if he's actually going to different timelines when he's doing that or if he's just going to different places or just glitching in that moment. Um, it seems like could be kind of any any of those um and obviously like kang is going to be here victor lively is the uh i think the original version of kang who we mm-hmm. see um we saw at the trailer of which was it which which post credit scene was it was it a movie oh ant-man oh it was ant-man that makes sense yeah. um where we see loki with uh own wilson's character morbius um and that's that scene is in the trailer here and obviously if we see kang and look jonathan majors off off screen legal issues aside Mm -hmm. we know this is going to have should have a big impact um either from a continuity standpoint where we learn more about what kang is attempting to do or the different ways he's going to accomplish conquering or just from a learning more about kang and seeing kind of the origin of of victor lively maybe seeing maybe seeing the different versions of kang too like every time loki slips into a new place could we see it this different version of kang that the one at the end he who remains from loki season one is is the one that defeated all of them at the end right he talked about all the different versions of himself all tried to take over and then obviously in, in the other post credit scene of Ant-Man, we see all the different uh, Kangs mm-hmm. all kind of meet up. So um, like this could be huge within the MCU because of that Kang aspect. But like you said, it also could be like pretty self-contained, I feel like, because they could, yeah, just be slow rolling it, showing us all a bunch of different aspects of Kang until we eventually get into, you know, phase six and we get into, you know, secret wars and um, the Kang dynasty and all that sort of stuff. Right. Yeah. I imagine at the end of this um, or a few projects down, um, this will be similar to the Hulk telling everyone about Thanos. Like mm-hmm. I imagine Loki kind of coming mm-hmm. in and be like, this is our our next, you know, our, our next thing. Um so I imagine Loki having that role or someone similar um, who's maybe, I doubt it would be Ant-Man, um, but someone who's interacted with him kind of comes in kind of like uh, frazzled, like we got to, we got to take him down and then leading into King Dynasty. I love that. And, and in terms of who it could be, I mean, I've been, we'll, we'll talk more about this stuff in a little bit, but I've been wondering how you get Thor back involved. Right. Right. I mean, a how emotional of a moment would that be? Now you could get into that conversation of like, are there really stakes? Because like, oh, if Loki's just back again, would it kind of take away that emotion from 
Infinity War and Endgame when Loki died in front of Thor? Or would it be like this really cool moment? Like we event, you almost have to think we have to get Loki and Thor to cross paths again, right? If we're going to continue right. to have Loki in the MCU. So to that point, um, what do you think Loki's role is in the MCU moving forward? Do you like we we did theorize during season one if he would be passing the baton of, of Loki over to Sylvie? We'll talk about some of the other characters right. in a minute, but. And and our Tom Hiddleston Loki would be done, but he's obviously back. How long do they keep this rolling? Is he just here for the shows? Does he exist out of time now so he's not going to be interacting with our MCU heroes? Or like you're – I think this idea is brilliant by the way. Is he the, the Bruce Banner to Thanos and he comes to Thor and says, hey, this is happening, and then Thor is then the one to relay this to everyone, and that's how we get Thor back with the Avengers. What do you, right. what do you think about that? So I think within the story, it would be great to have him connect and um, connect with everyone and and especially Loki and, and have that interaction. Realistically, I think if we have that, that'll be like 14, 15 years of him playing the same role. Uh, I don't know like what his appetite is and what mm-hmm. I, I have no idea what the contracts look like. That's a long time to play a character. Yeah. I'm sure they'll pay him a lot of money. Um, yeah. But that that's kind of where my mind goes is like, would he still be down to continue this on? Um, or do we see like Sylvie taking taking on that role um, and still having an interaction? Um, but honestly, I think he he dies like for real. <laughs> like a real, <laughs> real death this time. <laughs> um, even though in this show, said, do, you, do you think in this show he does? I don't think this season... I think okay. if he gets renewed for a third season um, or that next big project that he's in, I think he gets mm-hmm. pulled off. Man, you might have to just look at Tom Hiddleston and be like, dude, we've fake killed you too many times. You just can't, <laughs> you just can't really die now because nobody right. will believe it. You and let's be honest, man, he, he doesn't, he doesn't have to work out for this role. Like I know, I know Robert Downey Jr. didn't really have to, to be Iron Man either, but that, that that's a little different. Um, you know, guys, guys like Chris Evans have talked about, um, what not doing an MCU project and not having to do the diet and the working out has, has done for them. Um, he seems, Evan seems pretty comfortable not, not being Captain America anymore. Right. Um, yeah. I mean, I do really, uh, I am very curious to see what Hiddleston's role will be. I think for the, if you wanted to do the role again, let's just, let's just assume that right now, let's just assume he wants to keep being Loki. I do think the, the more ways they can, uh, for lack of a better term here here we're talking about loki branch off more of the characters right. into kind of their own thing where i don't i don't well we'll get on to all that later but but just say okay you know what tom hiddleston you now just live in this loki tva universe where you're off the timeline you don't have to be on the avengers movies you don't have to join the thor movies and you can't interact with anyone in time or else we have to you know zap them or whatever um is a is a clean way to keep this show going and keep this show successful without having to dive into the whole big thing of the the big movies and where does this all connect and everything but uh, i'll just say if if your theory of him being doing the banner thing comes comes to light i would love for that to be thor because that would be that would be a, a pretty great moment um 
just to touch on some of the other characters, you know, looking at that, look, looking at that trailer, we see everybody really from the TVA back. We see, uh, obviously, more Mobius. We see Ravona Renslayer, Sylvie, Miss Minutes uh, is big and scary. Um, even Casey, that was the guy that talked to Loki about the Infinity Stones. Mm-hmm. We, we we see it. oh, and um, the Hunter B one five, Hunter B fifteen. I forget which way they said it, um, but we see everybody from the TVA, and it looks like various timeline versions of themselves maybe the timeline version of themselves that got plucked and and they started working at the tva um who of these side characters and this might be an easy one because you know somebody obviously has an outweighed role but who of these side characters are you most excited to see in season two dude i'm so high for mobius he was so good in the first season um and it was so heartbreaking to see I touched on this earlier, but the the relationships in the show kind of made it one of the best for me, or like that was the highlight for me. And mm-hmm. so seeing kind of Mobius and Loki um, build that bond over the five, six episodes, but then on the flip end at the very end, when he doesn't recognize them um, in, in the very last episode, um, hit real hard. Um, so I'm, I'm really excited to see kind of where they uh, take this relationship again and how he, how Loki kind of catches him up or like finds the, the version um, that he kind of knew over the the course of the season. Uh, so uh, Mobius is probably number one. Um, I think Sylvie is uh, probably yeah. number two for me. Um, also probably a tie for first. Um, she was just really good um, in seeing them kind of build that relationship as well and going through all those challenges. Um, I'm excited to see how they build um, and how they kind of deal with the fallout of Sylvie's actions and, and how they reflect on um, on that moment where she she killed um, he who remains. Yeah, see, I'd have to watch the trailer a few more times. I don't I don't deep dive the trailers too too much, um, but it almost feels like that because of what you're saying, the fallout between those actions they. Uh, Loki and Sylvie were clearly at an impasse there with what to do at the end of Loki season one. It seems like there's a lot more friction between those two characters, whereas Mobius and Loki in, in the trailers, it's just like right back on the bike, right? Like nothing ever changed, which is interesting considering where season one left off, where Mobius seemed to have like no idea what was going right. on. So is it going to be, oh, he had Loki, Loki in the TVA with them, just King was always, you know, the leader of that? Is it? Uh, Loki very quickly finds his Mobius. You know, we we just don't know. So seeing how that for both those relationships, how the fallout from season one, the end of season one kind of gets us into season two is definitely something I I think everyone's really invested in because those those small moments, those emotional things is what made Loki stand out and WandaVision stand out. And to, to some degree falcon and winter soldier stand out good because it was it was characters we already cared about and seeing them develop other connections that that we then also cared about was, was really really important and, and i'm glad we're getting all of those back in in season two and we're gonna um c- continue to see those kind of develop and see how that impacts loki um into a more well-rounded character more and more every every single time we see him mm-hmm anything anything else on you here for for loki kind of getting into it what what your other things you're excited about um 
are, are you nervous at all about how, how it's going to go considering the last few projects or, or just anything else about Loki you wanted to say before we move on? Yeah, I'll just say that I think there are a lot of expectations going into this, mm -hmm. uh, especially given season one and how great it was and then how everything, how, how all of the other shows since just haven't met the bar that the show did set. Um, I, I would say that would probably be my biggest apprehension. Um, I, I do still have a lot of confidence in it, um, but I think the discourse, I'm, I'm very interested to see kind of what the discourse is um, from from this show um, and how people react because um, because if this show flops I think you know it's things are never sunk for for this franchise it seems like but I think it it'll take another big blow if, if this doesn't meet meet the the expectation and I don't know if was it Michael Waldron who was the head writer and and kind of showrunner of Loki season one I don't know if he's doing how involved if at all involved he is in season two that always makes me a little bit nervous um i don't see him on any of the credits right now um but but if i'm wrong about that just know listeners that that i feel i do feel very confident in. if he isn't involved though that does that does make me a little nervous right does right. the feel of the show feel different i know they have a couple other mcu and, and marvel people involved here in season two but um that is something to kind of think about if we start watching and we're like, man, this doesn't feel the same. Could it could be a different person's take on some some of the things going on? Um, but yeah, just I, I I think it'd be hard to really go wrong having those core characters together because at least the chemistry and the acting is going to be there, and those are established enough actors. And especially with Hiddleston being so, you mentioned how long he's been Loki for. I think. I, th I still think the writing is going to be good, at least the dialogue between those characters. And the dialogue is what made Loki season one. All, all the all the TVA stuff was cool and, and going to the void was cool and all that stuff was fun. But it was the dialogue between those characters and the development of those characters with each other that really made the show. So all of that has no reason to not be there because those actors are there. So I, I am feeling pretty confident, but just like a more quiet confidence than than maybe I would have felt about the show six to eight months ago. Um, well, let's take a short-term view, a short-term look at what else we have coming in 2023. Um, we obviously have Loki coming out here in a couple of weeks. We have the Marvel's movie, uh, which is the last movie of the year, coming out on, I believe, November 13th. Mm -hmm. um, and then... I had to go back and check this today since the time I made this outline of other TV stuff has been moving around. But what if season two is slated to come out at the end of December, kind of around um, the holidays? It's not supposed to be a Christmas theme thing like a uh, Guardians uh, Christmas special was last year, um, but it is coming out around that time. So how are you feeling about what's to come between those other two projects just briefly with the Marvels and what if? Right. Uh, the Marvels, I think I'm taking a uh, minimal expectation approach. I enjoyed mm -hmm. the trailer. It looks like mm -hmm. it's going to be a lot of fun. Um, it'll be interesting to see where they take uh, the plot of Secret Invasion into the Marvels because yeah. um, Nick Fury is in there. Um, they're, they're clearly going to connect something. Um, but yeah, I, I think it'll be fun. I think my where I'm kind of at is... I think I'll go see it. I'll have fun. But 
uh, we texted about this a few months ago, like when Dune was originally slated, like it wasn't even going to have a premium format, which is crazy mm-hmm. to think about, like mm-hmm. a Marvel movie not having an IMAX or Dolby cinema slot um, in the stage. Uh, so that was just very interesting, especially I think that would have been like Dune's second week um, and they wouldn't have like during the, the Marvel's launch week. So I think that kind of shows where movie theaters are also at um, with, with Marvel content as well. Um, in terms of what if, uh, I'm I'm pumped. I think that was uh, again a very solid season one, um, and I love the different multiversal storytelling, and then having it all kind of come together. Um, so I am really excited. I think uh, I really enjoyed the animation, um, and I think it'll be a strong end to the year. I am I am hopeful for the Marvels. I really enjoyed Miss Marvel. Um, I think. Bringing Miss Marvel to the big screen is is a little nervous, be, is a little nerve wracking because it still feels so young for that character, right? That character still feels so young because she's still supposed to be sixteen at the time of this, and the whole like timeline continuity that you and I always get hung up on is, is real here. But um, I think they've spell figured all that stuff out. But she's still supposed to be sixteen. It's supposed to be right after the events of. Miss Marvel, because it's you know at the end of Miss Marvel, we get Captain Marvel shooting into her closet. Um, I think we're picking up literally right from there, probably. Um, so it feels it still feels very early for Miss Marvel, which almost it, it, that makes me nervous. But I love that show, so I, I'm pretty excited for it. For for Brie Larson and, and Captain Marvel, I am trying to not expect too much because I think that was what hurt. The Captain Marvel movie when it first came out had really high expectations. It fell in a very um, uh, tough part of the uh, Infinity Saga where it came out after Infinity War and before Endgame. So we were on this high of expectations and wonderment and excitement. And and then we took a complete step back in terms of stakes and um where we were in the timeline and everything so uh that ob- and it was at the time the first female led movie in the MCU so like there was just a lot on its plate and and it was introducing a new character so now i'm hoping that we we've seen captain marvel a few times we've seen um uh photon a few times we've seen miss marvel a few times we don't have that that same weight and we can just kind of dive into the story and see these three performers and three characters kind of interact which is a a, i think a big part of what this movie is supposed to be based on i think the humor between them is supposed to be really enjoyable you know the parts of captain marvel that i enjoyed the most was when brie larson and samuel jackson shared the screen together and their dialogue between each other i and 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 chemistry between each other i thought was fantastic so as much of that as we get i think will be great and you know, we've enjoyed Brie Larson and, and a bunch of other stuff, and I think when she can have those those witty and like quick thinking conversations with people, it, it's it's definitely enjoyable. Um, the the biggest issue I had thinking back to Captain Marvel was there was a lot of hokey dialogue with with everybody else that wasn't uh, between Brie Larson and Samuel L. Jackson. So hopefully that is is. a a little cleaned up i am a little nervous if if they're going in saying this movie's a riot and really funny i'm like okay how funny are you trying to make it right right Um, so hopefully it's just it it comes naturally which i think it definitely could um 
but but Captain Marvel being like a half origin story and then a half like Cree scroll war thing and then just going back and forth. I think if there's a, a direct A to B in terms of what we want to do, you know, we talked about this when we did our MCU rankings. There's like there's a clear villain, a clear plot. Um, we get tons of character development and good action. Like we're gonna get we're gonna get a good movie. Um I I'm with you though. The thing I'm most nervous about now on the tales of Secret Invasion is like how does all that tie in and and what exactly is the timeline of it? Is it right after Fury goes back in space? Is it, you know, a little bit after that and we have to fill in some more of the plot and then it, it can it can just get messy. Um but I am excited. I'm excited to see it and I'm very hopeful and I, I do have some um some expectations of I think this is going to be good, but I, I am trying to keep it even keeled. But as the last movie of the year, they they they, they really gotta hit it. Um and then what if you know I love that was maybe my third favorite show that came out uh, of all these shows over, over the last couple of seasons or last couple of years. I, I love the show. Um, I'm, I'm really excited for season two. It's nice to get that content that still feels like it's giving you like a good emotional, interesting story, but yeah, it doesn't have that con connectivity. It doesn't have that. Um, where does this mean? Where, or what does this mean? Where does this go? We have to be worried about a bunch of stuff. So I think, I think it'd be really cool. I'm really excited for season two and you know, right around the holidays. Yeah, it'd be, it'd be great. I'm excited. Um, any, any more thoughts there on, on any of that stuff for the Marvels? Uh, I think my biggest concern with the Marvels is to see how the three main stars balance their time together. Um, especially in a movie, I think the runtime is is like an hour and forty something or an hour fifty. It's like one of the shortest oh, runtimes yeah. in recent MCU memory. So just seeing how they kind of balance all of that while trying to tell the story. I know they kind of flip through um and, and switch positions uh as as part of the movie that's like one of the biggest gimmicks um so it'll just be interesting to see how they balance uh each of the three stars uh in in the movie yeah uh, uh tiana paris pay, plays monica rambo and she was great in wandavision yep. um so I, I definitely want to I, I i didn't even mention her that much earlier on so um definitely want to see her and see her because she has a whole she's a whole thing with captain marvel like she felt like you know mm -hmm. that she was abandoned again by carol danvers um there or over the course of the time between captain marvel and and you know all the infinity saga stuff um which is something that we all have felt like where's captain marvel been so seeing seeing all, all of them interact and you have on one hand um you, you you have Monica Rambeau having this like sort of resentment right now. You have Ms. Marvel being a, a huge fan of Captain Marvel. It's going to be a very interesting kind of um relationship there between between the three of them while they're solving whatever whatever issue they need to solve. And and then we get into what what's the bigger picture and who who are they fighting and and how does that all connect and, and all that stuff. Um all right, with that, let's get into our our bigger conversation of the evening. This is the fun part. This is where we just sit back and, and we talk about um, what's up with the MCU. So yeah, I, I mentioned this earlier. You you kind of had the same thoughts, Secret Invasion. 
uh, just left me wondering what are we what are we doing here in the MCU? What is the MCU? I found joy and, and value in basically every other project that that we've had, even though I've also seen the faults and shortcomings of them. Um, but Secret Invasion really left me wondering, like, what is happening? What are we what are we doing here? Um, so I want to take a, a quick look at, at where the MCU stands, do a temperature check on what we think the outlook is, um, what we might think about some potential rumors and, and dates moving around and stuff like that. So let's just start with a, an easy one. Muhammad, what's our current Avengers team? All right, there have been a ton of movies um, here in phases four and five. We've seen a lot of new characters. We've seen a lot of characters go. We know some are still hanging around out there that we haven't seen in a while. Let's try to work this out. What What's our current Avengers team? And then when it's all said and done, do we care about who they are? So so who who do you who do you kind of have right now? Who who are, who are we hanging on to? So we're talking about like the core like group, right? Yeah, yeah. And I I like have three I have, I have three kind of groups here. Um, uh, sim similarly to how you would build a sports team, right? I've got my stars, I've got my other right. starting players, and then I've got some role players. But uh, yeah, who 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 most importantly, yeah, who is your core Avengers team right, right. now? Do we think? So I got Doctor Strange, mm -hmm. Falcon, or Captain, however, Captain Falcon. Yeah, yeah I Captain Falcon. I I never know what to write down for that either. I always just say Sam's Captain America. Right. Yep. Um, I have Thor, mm -hmm. um, Spidey with an asterisk if they figure out for the contracts, um, and then I have the Hulk, um, as the kind of core group and then i have shang chi with a question mark <laughs> um because he just kind of fits in the like i feel like young avengers bucket as well um so i think he could be elevated um, mm -hmm. if they don't have the the kind of star power as well but those are mm -hmm. kind of my core group and i don't feel good <laughs> about that group <laughs> um okay this is this is good i had i had most of those as well this is fun this is like we're building our like all pro teams or all NBA teams, right. something like that. And, and we're just kind of going through the names here. So I also have Dr. Strange. And with that, you get Wong. Um, I have Spider-Man, Thor, Hulk, which I want to get into. I have Sam's Captain America. And I put Captain Marvel in here. She's headlining mm, another movie. True. She's headlining a team. Um, she is the most powerful Avenger. She, you know, between her and Gaia at this point are the two most powerful uh, MCU characters. I don't think Gaia is going to get a, uh, a call up to the to the majors here anytime soon. She might not even want to. We'll see. Um, but I did put Captain Marvel in here. But of course, they have the room for if that movie doesn't do well, or if Brie Larson says she doesn't want to do this anymore because of how the unfair reception of Captain Marvel and Brie Larson herself has been. Um, we'll see. But I, I put her in here because I wanted to kind of create another core six, another I you know get the one to ones for for everybody that that we've kind of moved on from. I do want to specifically let's start with Thor and Hulk, two characters that we've seen here uh, since the Infinity Saga has ended. Obviously, Thor has had his own movie. We've seen Hulk in multiple projects, uh, Shang Chi and She Hulk. Do you think whenever we get this new team together, whenever that is, they kind of just like fall right back into their roles? Do you think there's a chance we see them phased out at some point soon? Um, do you think they're better off in their own stuff as of now? What like where where do you stand on on those two as characters for and and their roles in the MCU and the Avengers? 
Thor and Hulk, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I think they're kind of like the 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 big constants. They've just been yep. here for so long, and it, it seems like they're kind of committed to to staying in. So, um, yeah, I think they're probably going to be integral and in trying to get recruit or you know put the team back together along with probably falcon would be my guess those three would probably be the biggest to try to get the the crew back together mm-hmm. um but and i think also from like a selling point of like you should come watch this i think um hemsworth is it's just a big draw uh such a big draw and i think if, if we're talking about trying to get maximized critical reception and box office numbers i think you have to have both of those characters in in any avengers team at least in the the coming years yeah yeah i would i would love to see them kind of continue it's almost like uh, i'm trying to find a good uh comparison i'm going through um pro football reference right now trying to think of some but it's almost like uh like a sports team that has a star player that leaves but then a couple of those role players stick around through a couple things like uh, and i mean he's not he's not as you know impactful as as thor the hulk but like what udonis haslam was for the heat all those years like even though Dwayne wade left and and obviously lebron and bosh leave like he's still he's still just there like he's like he's the constant he's always going to be there I, i would like to think of a slightly more star powered name but that's the first one that came to mind there um but yeah, I would, and I would love to see those two stay and just stay right in their roles. And that's uh, Thor is the, you know, just he's still the big lovable idiot of the group and he's super powerful and he just kind of comes in and is your big time swinger. And, and Hulk, is, you know, partly just smart science guy, reserved, quiet, but also obviously, you know, the smasher of things. I, I would love to see those two stay on and stay in those roles of the team, I don't necessarily need one of them to yeah, be elevated to, to being a captain or being the leader or anything like that. Um, so seeing those two be who they are would be great. Spider-Man, your guy. We love Spider-Man. Um, we love Tom Holland. He's expressed a lot of feelings about being in Hollywood and acting and um, being in big projects and how long he wants to be Spider-Man for. I haven't seen anything on it's been real quiet lately. I feel like I haven't seen anything on, on this sort of stuff lately. What is your kind of expectation for Spider-Man moving forward? You put that asterisk. I put a question mark next to him. Right. Um, if he's there, he's, he's, I think would obviously need to be a core member. Obviously the way multiverse of madness ended, like we don't know yet exactly how far it extends, but we assume nobody knows Peter Parker, or Spider-Man right now. Um, he's under contract for one more, movie appearance i don't or is it one more solo spider-man movie i thought they had talked and this might not be set in stone but like another trilogy like i thought i think the money got there and i I think he may have signed on um maybe not officially but there are at least like talks of trying to get him in for another trilogy so i think they are still working on the contract of what that looks like for um the rest of the the Avengers appearances, uh, but I think that's also just a big staple point for um, the MCU and Sony to work out um, more of a deal. Um, and if I'm Sony, I'm this is a big leveraging point for me. You're 
you don't really have that many stars. You need you need Spider-Man to be a part of this group and a part of your um, Avengers team. Um, let's let's shift this deal a little bit more in our favor. Um, I think it was more of a 50-50 split um, previously um, or even more so favorable for the MCU. And so I think Sony takes this as a good opportunity to kind of swing things back uh, on their end. Literally, no pun swing things back. We've done swing things back. We've done branch off, and we've done phase out. We're we're just killing these MCU uh, punny references. But yeah, I so I love this. We had we had five of the same people there. Um, now let's move into this secondary kind of role. So I have as like your complementary starters. Uh, I'll throw some names at you here that we haven't mentioned yet. Um, think back to okay, the Infinity Saga, right? Doctor Strange comes in, he gets a movie, and he's in some of the Avengers stuff. Ant-Man, same thing. Th- those kind of characters. Mm-hmm. Um, this is where I had Shang-Chi. And when Shang-Chi came out, you know, I was super high on Shang-Chi. I was like, this guy could be the next leader of, of the Avengers. Right. Like, I'm in. I love this guy. And we haven't heard from him in, like, eight projects. Um, but I'm really high on him. I- I'd like to see him pretty heavily involved. Um, Shuri's Black Panther, I oh. think, after the success and, and reception of that movie and – the development that she had as a character. I'd love to see her f- fairly heavily involved. And then I put Ant-Man again, um, kind of just same thing as Thor and the Hulk, like stalwart just like comes back for his role, like to do his thing. And then I put star Lord question mark because guardians three ends and we get the tagline star Lord will return. Not the guardians will return. We know those guys are done. We, we know, Zoe Saldana has expressed that she is done. We know Dave Bautista has expressed that he's done. James Gunn is definitely gone. Like, we know those those characters are gone. But we saw that Starlord will return. And I'm thinking way ahead into Phase 6. We know we're getting this um, Secret Wars movie. Mm-hmm. We know from the comics that this is where they just pull in a bunch of random former, past, present, future Avengers into this big battle thing. So we always kind of thought we would maybe at least get that from from Star Lord, but um, and, and you know Peter Quill, but that tagline made me think that he's going to actually be a legitimate part of the MCU moving forward. So like, how involved could that be, and and could that be he's actually part of the Avengers at some point? Um, so th- those four there: Shang Chi, Shuri's Black Panther, Ant Man, Star Lord. What what do you think about that group? Yeah, I I think that's definitely a. Uh a good second tier um i'm also thinking of when will they ever um intersect moon knight into any of this um and if oscar <laughs> isaac will, will kind of be back um but he's probably c tier or d tier um i'm also I thinking hawkeye um yeah is, good point here um yeah i think i think that's that's probably a a, a good group there on, on the star lord point uh yeah I, I agree with you i think he'll definitely show up I don't think he'll get a solo movie, of course, or a show. Uh, but I think in in the big projects, he'll he'll definitely show up. I think I think Chris Pratt is good with this role, um, and uh, personally, and I think he he kind of fits it. So um, so yeah, I I think he'll probably be a part of some project down the road. Um, but yeah, I, I think the the second tier. Like it, it just feels like they're building like a West Coast or a Young Avengers crew. Um, mm-hmm. so it'll be interesting to see kind of the dynamic, um, post Endgame of of what an actual team up looks like. Yeah, and and let's get into some of that because then I have your small roles, your role players, and this 
this is pretty theoretical this group here but it's people we've seen and, and have heard from both past and more recent present um i have she hulk in here uh and and she hulk from the comics is used very little in terms of the avengers it's basically like when they need an attorney she's just kind of their attorney so like cool like i could see that coming into play at some point we certainly have seen the avengers get into legal issues over the course of the mcu so i think that could definitely come into play so i have she hulk when they need an attorney um yelena and bucky are going to have some sort of role i assume still they have the thunderbolts movie which we'll talk about later um but i think because they're in the thunderbolts which is kind of the anti-hero um suicide squad marvel world version right um i kind of to me that almost takes them out of being in the avengers which is kind of weird because bucky was in the avengers but that almost feels like they're kind of off to the side when when they're called upon and then i have i have moon knight lol written here because yeah like talk about standalone like that dude is standing alone like so far from everything else i have no idea what he's doing this is also where i put loki like what kind of minimal role could he have and then right. this is some you and i have talked about a lot the young avengers going back we did our mcu tv show kind of rewatch check in i think over the summer but this is where i could really see some of these characters thrive and this is where to get into the bigger picture a little bit this is where I would like to see the direction of the TV shows. You mentioned it with Bob Iger coming in. They're scaling back the TV shows. The The strike has been almost a blessing in disguise from that aspect in terms of rolling things back. But this is where you could have Miss Marvel, uh, Kate Bishop's Hawkeye, Ironheart, Wanda's kids if we wanted to get them back involved. This is where we could have them live in a – young avengers team up show we've given all of these or we're gonna give all these people a season um and maybe a, a rare movie or so and we kind of get them all together and this is what lives on disney plus as your your tv stuff it's it's the young avengers and then maybe your episodic uh type things like she hulk we'll get we'll get into that some ideas on that in a minute but um that that's my small role kind of just pops in and out when uh they're needed specifically or on a streaming platform in eight episode chunks of your choice. Yeah, I think with the smaller roles, I think those are just like you're mentioning, those are just going to live on Disney Plus. And I think it, it'll almost feel weird to see them on the big screen um, mm -hmm. without earning their stripes, um, if that makes sense. Like, I think, like, I'm sure they they would show up in a... Um, in a like Avengers Secret Wars movie, but I don't see them getting like that much screen time. Um, you know, like Yelena uh, would have, of course get get a little bit more, but I'm thinking about some of the others that have kind of shined or have have had a lot of presence on Disney Plus. I think that's especially we're talking about so many characters and trying to balance that screen time. Like I think they did a great job in Infinity War and Endgame. But I feel like the cast just keeps getting bigger and bigger. So at a certain point, someone has to get cut out. And I think it's probably these lower level heroes. And I, I could totally see and, and also think about it. We'll talk about this later too. We're talk like we're gonna have Fantastic Four in here at some point. We're gonna have X-Men right. in here at some point. So there's gonna be a lot of attention 
even taken away from this group, and we've just named a bunch of people that that already we need to see their stories kind of continue to be I, I can't even say fulfilled yet because we've gotten so little so many of these we, we've gotten one shang chi movie and that was two years ago at this point and it's like i, I need another when are we going to see more shang chi um sam's captain america like he's going to have his own movies in theory going to be the centerpiece of this team we've only seen him in you know falcon and winter soldier at this point um i could totally see you know you mentioned hawkeye that was somebody that I wasn't quite sure what to do with because he didn't completely seem like he was retired at the end of the Hawkeye show, but the true Hawkeye active mantle seems to have been passed to Kate Bishop. But I could totally see in a, let's say in the the Captain America movie coming out in 2024, we get a shot of whatever their new compound is. I could see like Hawkeye with all these young Avengers just like teaching them, right? At an X-Men level, like, little avengers academy that he's running or something and and maybe that's his small role now he's not active out there anymore but he's the um the temple jedi or something like mentor. that if we want to yeah mentor the teacher he and you know he's he's training this team and that would be a cool little easter egg right we don't need them to do a bunch of stuff here but we just see them all training with him we see um Maybe this is where we see nerdy Bruce, like teaching them a, a, a class or something, you know, stuff like that. I think that would be cool. But we leave their avenging to, yeah, a li little more, little more small time, little, little more uh, on the on the TV level. But yeah, Moon Knight, I have no idea. <laughs> I have no idea what to do with that guy. Um, and so, okay, so our, our but our core team, if we think about this one to one, we had six core Avengers in the Infinity Saga. If we say we have. We still have a Captain America. We still have Thor, Hulk. Um, we we elevate Spider-Man into a full-time Avengers inner circle role. Doctor Strange is fully elevated. And then we get either, you know, we get a Captain Marvel or we get Shuri's Black Panther, I think would be able to hold weight there. And then just on the outside, we still have Ant-Man, we have Shang-Chi, and then maybe one other person, maybe a Star-Lord, maybe a Hawkeye. Does that feel like when we think about our Avengers team? as it stands right now that's it and then to to your point you said this after we talked about the core group do we care about that group right. the way we cared about that first group it's king and four if it, if if this is it they're getting sweat um there's there's no way this team really stacks up um i i think we really do need some more firepower from from some of the coming projects i'll be interested to see well i know we're talking about this later but like a deadpool like how yeah, does that yeah. kind of intersect yeah um like i doubt we're gonna get more wolverine um but that, that would be really cool to see if he kind of yeah, comes man. back into the, this avengers team but i think we're we named six but i think we can drop a few out and, and replace them with some of the coming projects um because this core i i think it's, it's gonna sure plot armor wise they'll win um but will it be realistic to the audience if, if there's like a an avengers level threat and we don't have a star-studded Avengers cast. To think about like sports dynasties, this is the Lakers after Kobe right. retired and before LeBron came in. This is just like, all right, we're just gonna we're just gonna hold the water here, guys. We're just gonna wait for the next the next A team to come in. I mean, and this it's going to start lining up with what the comics were before two thousand eight and all these movies started because. If you're a hardcore 
comic book comic book person you know this if you're just into the mcu stuff you might not know this but it was surprising when these avengers movies were first reportedly coming out and they were like yeah we're starting the avengers with iron man and captain america and everyone's like wait they're or, or we're starting a marvel cinematic universe with with the avengers and blah blah because the avengers in, in comics and, and so for 60 70 years were sea level. It was all X Men. It was all Fantastic Four. It was all Spider Man. Um, and instead, we started out with all these other characters because of m- who has the rights to these movies and and all this sort of stuff that we won't get into. But and right now we're just finishing out the remnants of that group until we get to Fantastic Four and we get to X Men. So yeah, how much will will these characters matter? Will these characters eventually just be the JV team on? disney plus tv shows and it's the avengers and the young avengers live on in tv world they don't even get movies anymore we just get x-men and fantastic World. probably not because of how well it's done to this point but um yeah you could you could definitely see uh these characters getting pushed to the side a little bit and i am glad we at least you know if spider-man can stick around if thor and hulk are here we still certainly have i think enough emotional connection to these characters to to care about what will come out for them mm-hmm. but not having tony or steve there from a the emotional connectivity between these characters is going to be interesting obviously thor and hulk have a relationship um sam and bucky have one we, we're not sure we we talked about bucky and and what his relationship might be now with the thunderbolts um Peter and Doctor Strange have a bit of a relationship and a bit of a rapport, so we get some of that stuff. Um, but but that emotional linchpin of, of you know where it all started with the first Avengers movie and and seeing Steve and and Tony going at it, I think was kind of what set it all off and really created you know a lot of that spark. So both from a power setting standpoint, it's tough. But also from an emotional storytelling standpoint, I think it's okay, but I, I don't quite know. I, and I won't know until these right. five or six characters are all on screen together without those two guys. Right. And, and to see them kind of work out like conflicts like they had in the, yeah. the first Avengers movie and having, you know, Coulson, Agent Coulson's death as kind of the uni- uni- unifying fact or the the thing that unified them yeah. um, and seeing what, what that is for, for this group, which... I think we've probably seen the new Captain America movie. Yeah. yeah, that that that'll be that'll be huge. That'll be a big moment. Um this one this one's a little shorter. Are are the movies they're making and the stories they're telling compelling, would you say? Um the things that we've had come out over the last year or so, is it is it sustaining you? Is do, are we getting to the end of the year, close to the end of phase or not close to the end of phase five, but we're getting to the end of the year and do you feel like the stories you've been told have been good and interesting ones? I think it's hit or miss. I think there are certain ones that that are hitting really strong. So like Guardians comes to mind as a hit for me. Um, but then there are very, very strong misses as well. Um, so, you know, we as fans will watch anything that they drop out. Um, but I know like my partner is watches these shows and um, movies with me and she's been off the, the past few shows uh, and that that kind of shows kind of where um, I, I would say also like representative of what other 
fans of or just people who are just tuning in not as locked in on these shows and content i don't think everyone is tuning in to like i heard secret invasion isn't that good so i'm not going to check it out that's it um i think also with them shifting and moving things around it just feels like it used to be so calculated and here we are now it's like oh we're reacting to real life world events um, and so I think that kind of has taken out a lot of the fun out of like, oh, I need to watch this, this, and this, so I can understand this. Um, <laughs> meanwhile, the hand from the celestial is still up <laughs> from fall of 2021. I was um, wondering when you were going to bring that up. <laughs> so, yeah, nothing really matters in, in terms of continuity. Um, but, uh, but yes, I, I'm, I'm, I mean, I personally am, am hooked um but it's definitely not as strong as it was in the, in the mid 2010s i think if we i think if we had the ability to block the tv shows from our mind even even the good ones and just think about the movies mm-hmm. we'd feel a little bit better um where the tv shows were successful early on was getting to dive more into our secondary avengers from the infinity saga right so we already had an emotional connection and we get to see a bigger story from those characters. That was what we wanted. Um, and these movies that we've had, even with their pitfalls as movies, we're getting emotional stakes and character development of those characters in the movie. So even if Ant-Man Quantumania has his downfalls, um, we still get to see Scott Lang grow right in some way and overcome something and deal with something obviously guardians was fantastic uh black panther was extremely emotional and really cool to see um wakanda build itself back up and shuri develop as a character and develop into black panther thor love and thunder obviously had its pitfalls but to see thor deal with a lot and grow like we're still getting emotionally compelling stories i think in the movies and and the shows, I think it's where it's hurting it, both from a diluting standpoint, both from a exhaustion standpoint, uh, from from a watcher's perspective, um, and just from from the quality. And yeah, as the shows went, they they became less consistent for sure. And when you're introducing a bunch of characters, and it feels like you're just introducing them to introducing to introduce them, because you know I mentioned earlier, we've been having these shows for two years now a little over two years and this is our first second season this is our first and, and this right. is our first second showing of a character you know when miss marvel is in the marvels in november that's the first time we have seen a new character that we got from a tv show reintroduced into something else right so we just haven't seen okay what like why are we doing this what's the what's the point of this yet um so I don't think the I don't think the TV shows are are doing the job in terms of compelling stories, but I, I do think the movies are are at least sticking to it. Mm-hmm. Um, we we've been around this conversation here a little bit, but let's just dive into it fully. Uh, the big topic right now is the continuity of it all and how it's impacting the stories we get moving forward, both from a having to watch everything standpoint, but also a is the MCU boxing itself into a corner by having to remember what it did in a movie seven years ago. And when it's developing a movie next year, it has to think back into a show that came out three years ago or another movie they want to make in two years. 
Um, would you want to see less continuity moving forward? And if so, how would you do that? Right. Yeah, I think the continuity was the biggest draw of, of the MCU. It's like, oh, look, stay back in the the end credits to mm-hmm. see this for the next movie. Um, or you have to go see Iron Man 2 before you can see uh, the Avengers. Uh, and I think that was a really good money-making strategy for them and probably still is. Uh, but when you bring in TV shows, I think that's where it gets a little bit more tricky. Um, this is going to be a little bit of a take, but blow it all up, man. Start, start <laughs> over. <laughs> um, create a new universe was my thought, um, where we get to explore kind of different comic storylines. And I'm not sure how we would do this practically, but my thought is, like, let's start over and we can begin with origin stories, maybe focusing on different characters. You know, we're bringing in Fantastic Four, we're bringing in X-Men, we can bring in some other new characters, we can bring back some characters we've already had, but with fresh takes. Um, and with that, we can have uh, for continuity, um, we can flash back to the the old universe or have our characters interact. Um, but yeah, that's just me thinking out there uh, in terms of how to kind of go back because once you open this up as they have they've had for 30 plus projects it's really hard to not have the continuity kind of continue yeah i i i think you're probably yeah a little too far down the line at this point especially because they've had those opportunities right multiverse of madness when before it came out we were like oh this is it like they're gonna either break this universe or we'll just leave it right when peter goes swinging off into a new world right we're thinking oh could tom holland be the only holdover and he leaves this universe and we're just in a whole new place and we right. can just build around spider-man and branch out to fantastic four and x-men from that. like there were so many opportunities they could have done that and i think not doing it now um pretty much makes it impossible and i think it like it would be a huge bummer to just be like and None of these movies exist anymore. It's all it's all done. Right. But finding a creative way, I think, to tell some stories independently from each other would be really helpful. Um, I'm gonna bring up something that only ever gets brought up on the Ringerverse Midnight Boys podcast, and that's Agents of Shield. Uh, shout out to Jomi Denaron, where what was I, I watched that show years after it came out. But what was really cool. Or one of the things that was really cool, I also really liked the show, was you would get hints of what was happening in the MCU without being in the MCU. So the episode where – or not the episode. Um, the movie where they exposed everybody in Hydra, uh, Winter, Winter Soldier, I guess, when it all got released, um, that happened in – in agents of shield there was an episode built around that and every like everything kind of broke loose like everyone's like oh my gosh there's hydra agents in shield and everyone starts looking at each other and then like randomly half the people in the room start shooting the other half of people like you're you're seeing where hydra's infiltrated this but that show had no other than agent colson being there had no connection to the mcu movies so i think there's a way from a storytelling standpoint you can be less in continuity and feel like you rely less on what's happening and you do that by creating yeah the young avengers on disney plus tv show and they hardly ever join the avengers on movies or or adventures or missions um she hulk and 
a show I know you don't want to come out anytime soon, Daredevil. Let that become your like corner, like corner the market on like it's your new law and order, right? You know, we have law and order, we have law and order SVU, we have CI, we have all these different law and orders or all these different NCISs, your episodic law shows. Cause because I think they said Daredevil, they wanted that to be like mm-hmm. that an episode of the week where he's on a new case and then you know, every episode or every other episode, something like that. Um, let those two shows kind of live on Disney Plus as your they don't do the big Avengers team ups. They live in in their world. When the Avengers need a lawyer, they'll call them. Um, but they they have their own little section here of what they do. I think there's I think there's a storytelling way to do it. Um and everyone just has to like get together and agree like not every sh- and and I think Marvel seems to be okay with that because She-Hulk didn't connect, and they made fun of the MCU continuity mm-hmm. and you know um, trying to think what other show. I mean, obviously, What If isn't connected to anything. Moon, Moon Knight super not connected to anything. So I think I think the MCU and Kevin Feige are trying to tell us that they don't feel the need to connect everything at least all the time. So we as fans just need to be willing to watch something for what it is. So I think there's a storytelling way to do it, but I don't. I don't need them. I don't need them to blow it up and completely be done with it. Now, I, I think they can challenge themselves a little bit to do to do more. Right. I think the the problem comes from the fans expecting right. continuity. Like, part of the draw is I'm going to watch this because it connects. And so, if I'm a fan and I watch a Moon Knight, we're like, where does this lead? You know. And so, I think. It's it's a very hard hard thing to balance, but yes, and, and I think that's where you get into like everything does need. I think everything does need to build to something, right? So like right. Moon Knight has to interact with somebody else at some point. Like he can't just live in this world where he's fighting giant gods, you know, every season. And nobody checks in on him, right? <laughs> right? Like somebody's gonna have to say something at some point. So does that mean? He is, you know, I mean, this would be a bad idea, but do they send the young Avengers to check on all these gods that are are fighting each other at some point? Probably, yeah. probably a really bad idea. Moon Knight would wipe the floor with them. That would that would be rough. Um, but do you know? Do we send somebody to check on? Does he become? Uh, I guess he's not technically a mutant, so he couldn't. He wouldn't really end up with the X Men. But but you get like right. There, there have to be little groupings somewhere just to feed that kind of aspect, that kind of team-up aspect, because that's what all of this is about, right? In comics, we don't even have uh, – at least the, the mainstream comics, we don't have characters that are completely solo. They team up at some point, so we need some connection, but I think it's fine to have our Avengers team who have some of their own movies, but then Avengers build up. We have the young Avengers who maybe at this point, once they get like one season under their belt or one appearance under their belt, they just join a Young Avengers show and it's one thing, but they go off on their own episodes, whatever. Um, but there, there's a way, yes, to keep bringing everyone together, but especially and most importantly with who are your Avengers and who are the ones getting movies and and the continuity there. Right. Um, all right. This one is brief. Maybe uh, there have been a lot of casting rumors around Fantastic Four over the last uh, year or so. I'm sure there will be for X Men as we continue. You know, you mentioned Daredevil. That'll continue to feed that. the The thing I want to focus on. We don't have to build out our Fantastic Four and our our X Men rosters right now. That that sounds like a good episode for the future. Um, 
do you care about these rumors? Uh, and the rumors are mainly stemming from we're getting rumors that they're reaching out to a lot of big name actors and that these big name actors do not want to join. You know, Adam Driver and Margot Robbie were kind of the the big ones for this, but we've since heard the likes of Matt Smith. We've heard Jake Gyllenhaal most recently, which I don't know how that would work, but um, obviously there's the whole like John Krasinski thing out there. Uh, my main question is with all these rumors and, and the idea that, oh, people don't want to do it. People don't want to sign on for, like you said earlier, five to ten years of movies or um, to, to be a superhero or to be on this Fantastic Four franchise that failed most recently. Um, are you concerned that Marvel can or can't get people? Do you feel like it needs to be a big star? There's a question of can Marvel take a no-name or little-known actor and make them into the star, make them into Mr. Fantastic? Do you care about any of this stuff, or are you just like, whatever, man, call me when there's call me when there's an actor, and I'll, I'll be good to go? I'm kind of on the latter piece. Um, I, I've kind of tuned out to the rumors, to be honest, but yeah. um, I think at this point, um, money talks. So yep. um, they probably will have to offer, if they want an A-list or someone who they want in this role for a while they're gonna have to do something like they did with Downey with like a percentage um if they were looking for that big name um because I, I I don't imagine I know a lot of actors and especially like with Marvel's recent downward trend um kind of look down on on like the franchise and and that it's not real movies yeah. uh which is a whole discussion in itself but I think there has to be some level of incentive if they want an A-list um, my thought is to go with someone like mid, small to mid, kind of what they did with Superman um, in the in the new DC universe, um, and, and and kind of mold them into someone that can be big. Um, seeing someone with that potential that can kind of carry that range of of the cast. Yeah, when that that's where I lean. Also, I don't think you need to have the the biggest name out there. I think back to Shang-Chi and, and, you know, Simu Liu was the guy that we were like, oh, he's going to blow up after this. And, and he didn't. But how much of that is the timing of when the movie came out and, and everything that's happened since. But also just like, OK, we haven't we haven't capitalized on it yet. Right. Maybe if he had been in something else in the next year or something like that or, or you know, since then, we could have a little bit of momentum. He, he was in the Barbie movie, obviously, but um it doesn't feel like he is taken off in the way that we thought he might right after that movie came out. So is there a little bit of that? I don't know if they can take a, a B-lister or a C-lister at this point. I would like to think – and look, Shang-Chi is a very different character than Mr. Fantastic or, or anybody from the X-Men or anything like that. So you would think that there would be able to be a, quite a noticeable jump, and, and I'm sure it would be fine. But I'm with you. I, I'm not really – I don't care about the rumors. I, I care much more about once the person's there, what do they do, which I'm a little nervous about. But mm -hmm. for the most part, you know, this this is the Fantastic Four. When 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 they get a group in there, um, if the movie's good, those actors and characters are gonna have every opportunity to to kind of blow up after that. Um, all right, let's go ahead and and just take a look at the rest of Phase Five, which carries through February 2025, believe it or not. And that's if you believe Blade is happening, which I still don't think they, I don't even know if they have a script for that. Yeah, man, the Blade production has been a mess. Right. Um, and and we're just going to determine what we actually think will happen. And if there are any projects that you wish to see pushed even further or canceled altogether. Now, 
I, I wrote this part of the outline before things got pushed again here at the beginning of this month. This was after things got pushed already back in July when the when that strike happened. So TV shows, uh, this should tell you a lot. All dates have been removed from every TV show um, after What If in December, and then we have Echo coming out in January, which I believe is six episodes. I'm a little nervous about Echo because we found out that they're dropping all six episodes at once. Yep. That to me says that they don't care if they're having the weekly conversations and maybe it's just not that good and they want it to be done with. Um, but the other TV shows after Echo that we have uh, varying levels of it, the show is finished or not, um, but no dates on any of it. Ironheart, Agatha, Harkness, uh, which has changed names a few times, um, and the Daredevil show. So, so Echo, and then uh, which comes out in January, and then those three shows. How, how are you feeling about those ones? Uh, I think so. One thing I want to kind of touch on with the writer strike, and I was listening to um, a podcast about kind of the repercussions of the writer strike, which I'm really happy they were able to get to a deal, and um, writers are being able to be more fairly compensated. I think. What, what I heard is that it's this is going to result in fewer content or fewer shows and movies. Um, and so while I don't think these shows, which are probably late in production or, you know, uh, or probably starting production, I think as we go on, I think a lot of maybe MCU content does get cut because of just budgets. And I think that's where Bob Iger was at, at least the approach that he was taking. of just like, we need to minimize this content let's save money we're we're, we're burning cash mm-hmm. um so so looking at these shows i think i'm <laughs> to, i wrote i'm out <laughs> in next to ironheart <laughs> um i think that'll be very much like the first few episodes will have to set the tone and the pace and and then i think i'll i'll see from there um uh, but that one i could easily do without um i, I enjoyed her in um black panther uh, but I think she was great in a supporting role. So mm. I, I don't know how she would do in, in, in the main role. Um, Daredevil, I you know, I've shared my feelings with this show with you offline. I was like, I don't even want to watch this show. Um, <laughs> I just, I don't feel good. Um, and especially like we only have two cast members um, unless things have changed uh, that, that have been finalized. So, and they should have started filming, I think in February, clearly that's been paused. Um, but yeah, I, I think... I don't know. I, I I'm I'm a little bit out on that uh, as well. Um, Agatha, the the name changes are just so so funny. Um, I'm I'm a little bit iffy there, um, uh, but I think it does have the potential to be really good. Um, Catherine Hahn is just fantastic, so yeah. I, I'm really excited about that. Yeah. Um, I'd be happy. I I still want Ironheart as a character in the MCU because we've already gotten her in a movie. Uh, we talked about this young Avengers thing, right? Let, let's just like make this happen and let's just get her right into that. Like, I think we can skip an Ironheart show and we, we've we gotten a season of Kate Bishop's Hawkeye. We've gotten a season of Marvel. We've gotten the, the kids in WandaVision. They don't need their own show before. Let's just release a young Avengers show to come out in 2025 and plug Ironheart right in there. She doesn't need her own show. Um, Agatha Harkness, I, I want, 
But thinking about where, again, that idea of where does she fit, right? We don't know right now what that would be. Um, but I, I want Catherine Hahn. I, I want Agatha. I want this character back. Give me a Halloween special, right? This, yep. The show was originally slated to come out, um, I think, this fall here in 2023. And it got pushed. They, they wanted to be in fall because they immediately pushed it to fall of 2024 before – uh taking away a release date i don't need a i don't need six episodes i don't need eight episodes just give me a halloween special so that way she's still around and that way um if we ever get wanda back you know uh, there's a there's a there's a tie-in there there's a way to get katherine hahn back and in, in something um so just give me a halloween special keep keep it in the back cupboard until still could be 2024 maybe push that to 2025 whatever um daredevil makes no sense right now i'm really confused because the two characters that you mentioned are obviously are matt murdoch daredevil mm-hmm. and kingpin right that's that's yep. all they had to to our knowledge so all you know is you have two characters who have already been introduced to the mcu in, in different shows um and but you also say it's going to be 18 episodes which is twice as long as the longest MCU show we've had. That's crazy. Like that's insane. What is the planning around that? Um, so I'd be I'd be totally happy to not get a Daredevil show as much as I want. Um, th- this actor and this character in the MCU, and I want Kingpin. Same same for King. I want I want him back in. Um, I'm good with not having this happen for a while. Or taking this down to six episodes in in some way, or we just continue to get these guys in in these smaller shows, whether they they pop up in Young Avengers, whether um, we just get more Daredevil and She Hulk. If it if She Hulk season two has, just has Daredevil in every episode, they they form a law firm together, like I, that would be great, and then see what happens from there. Um, or yeah, you just you you make it real small and real tight and just. Because I, I like the idea of it just being an episodic case of the week thing. I enjoyed that part of She-Hulk. Um, and just make it its own. It, it lives on that same corner, and it's just different characters doing it. I would be I'd be happy with that. Um, let's move on to the movies here. We have four more movies in Phase 5 after the Marvels comes out spanning that, – that still have dates spanning uh, until 2025. We have Deadpool 3. Now I I think all of these movies will probably get pushed back again. Yeah. Um. We haven't gotten any updates on that, but we still have the current dates, so that says that like, hey, these movies are still happening at least as of right now. That's the idea. Um. But I expect them all to get pushed back. So Deadpool three still has a May of twenty twenty four release date. Captain America: Brave New World, um, starring Sam's Captain America, has a release date of July twenty twenty five. And the Thunderbolts, um, which we've been building to over the course of some of these shows, headlined by you know Yelena's character from um, uh, Hawkeye and and Black Widow, and Bucky is also supposed to be in this. That's slated for December twenty twenty four, and and then we still got Blade just kicking it, uh, February of twenty twenty five. I think its original release date was like twenty twenty three, something like that. So it's already been pushed back a few years. Um, your thoughts on on these movies are 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 there any that you're just not in on are there any that you're totally in on that you think just need to get really put on the back burner um what are you thinking 
Yeah, Deadpool 3 is probably the one I'm most excited for. Mm-hmm. Um, just seeing um, Hugh Jackman back as Wolverine, seeing Ryan Reynolds back as Deadpool, I think together it's going to be hilarious. It's going to be very engaging. It's going to be a lot of fun. Um, and I think just kind of what Marvel needs um, as they come out of this hole, hopefully. Um, I think that that'll be a, a great movie to kick off the summer if if they do um, have that. Um, still don't know what the plot will be, um, but I, I know what I do know is it'll be a lot of fun um, as the, the first two were. Um, Captain America, I, I think, will be a great kind of first, in my opinion, uh, the first time we see a lot of these storylines intersect and, and see where we're going in, in phase five. Um, yeah, and this will probably be the first time we see um, Sam um, back in the MCU pending a, a cameo um in, in in the other uh shows. Um so I think it'll be a great way to kick it off um or continue Sam's storyline. Um but yeah again I just hard to know with that title Brave New World what what exactly that means. Um it just feels like we're still so far away from kind of what that end game is um in uh phase six. So kind of like, why does this movie matter? And and is there a team up? I can easily see this one getting pushed back even further. Um, My guess would be probably um, late 24 or early spring of 25. Um, Thunderbolts, honestly, I think this one one would be on the chopping block um, since it's so far out. Um, And if we're looking at kind of cutting projects, like why do the thunderbolts matter um i know they were mm-hmm. doing the whole thing with julia louis dreyfus's character throughout yep. of like oh we have to form this team um but i think i think they might take a hard look at this movie and, and it, I, if it were to be cut i wouldn't shed any tears right like i wouldn't lose sleep over this um and blade man like the the it's, it's yeah. just rough i i think this movie does end up not making it um, but I, I also wouldn't be surprised if they kind of pushed through the production troubles and, and, and made it happen. Um, but I think the, um, yeah, I, I think it would be, if, if it gets back on track, it could be a, a good, um, good thing for the MCU. Um, if they're introducing Blade or reintroducing Blade as a, uh, as an origin story, um, and, and working it within a continuity frame that makes sense um and, and, and incorporating blade cor- correctly or accurately within the, the larger scheme of things yeah I'll, I'll work backwards off of that just to hit blade i the vibes around blade are just so bad but i just so badly want mahershali in the mcu He's man so i mean that uh, if can new plan and and i'm sure i I feel like i remember reading when this was first put into effect he's been trying to make this movie for like years and years and years Mm -hmm. so i'm sure this is like a passion project and he's determined to do it can we convince him to just be like reed richards and and just like (laughs) forget all this with two birds one stone like don't make a bad blade movie give mahershali in the mcu and make him reed richards because i i need him in so if blade is the only thing he'll do then i need blade um uh, just speaking of the Eternals and and plot things, right? Uh, uh, the end of that movie also featured a, a Blade reference um, mm-hmm. with with uh, geez, Jon Snow, whatever that guy's real name is, uh, Kit Harrington. Yeah. Um, so, 
this is one of those things with the continuity. Like, how much stuff do you just want to like completely leave as like a Easter egg, like a funny haha? What if that had happened? Speak of what if, like maybe they just like take Kit Harrington's little story from Eternals and make a what if episode out of it, and then that way they could say they're done. Um, same thing with the Thunderbolts. Like they just they have been doing that slow setup of it, which I've enjoyed. Right in in each of these Marvel shows, we get um, Julia Louis Dreyfus and, and putting her team together, and we've gotten a team announced with with characters we've seen. Um, obviously, with uh, Yelena and Bucky and the Red Guardian, um, U.S. Agent John Walker, who I, I think we'd all be happy to not see again. Same thing for Taskmaster, who's supposed to be in this. Same thing for – do you even remember who Ghost is if I just say Ghost to you in terms of an MCU character? That was the baddie in um, uh, Ant-Man and the Wasp, not, mm. not Quantum the, the one before that, the one who like Ghost. phased in and out. And all yeah. Uh, so yeah, half that team I don't really need. Um, it would seem kind of silly to have been building it up and, and chop it, but at the same time like – we, like you said, we wouldn't be mad either. So just be like, hey, we were going to do this and it, it didn't happen. So like uh, we could easily get a reference. We could get Julie uh, uh, Louis-Dreyfus back in into a, a future something and they can make an offhand comment. of like, weren't you putting a team together? And she's like, yeah, like I can make like a meta comment. Like, yeah, we didn't have the budget for that or something like that. Like that, that would be uh, – I think we'd all be fine with that. Um Captain America Brave New World, I think we need that to happen. I think we need to not get pushed back again because everything we've been talking about, like all these characters, all these storylines, where is it going? Like you said, this is the next movie that we're going to get some sort of intertwining probably of these characters. It's going to be very much like what the Captain America movies other than First Avenger um, were in the Infinity Saga. like. This wasn't a full Avengers, but we always had multiple Avengers in these movies. Um, Civil War was a technically a Cap movie as well as Winter Soldier. Um, so we need some – I think we need this movie to happen no later than when it's happening just to get that payoff. And it doesn't have to be everybody, right? Uh, we're, we're supposed to have a lot of the, um, the Hulk characters in this. Um, so we have the uh, – where where did it go? Uh, do 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 do. We have uh Liv Tyler who is supposed to be in this cast. She was in the original, not the original, but the MCU's Hulk, uh, movie as Betty Ross. Um, Seth Rollins was uh seen part of the filming for this. He was in that movie as well, um, as the leader. Um, again, that could be you know that movie was so long ago now, and obviously so much has changed, but. Um, it would be nice to get that connection. So, like, obviously, that would be a case where we would see Hulk in that movie. And if we see Hulk, maybe we see Thor in that movie. And, you know, maybe we see, you know, Spider-Man in that You know, so we could get some of that connection back if we keep that movie. And I, I think we need to. And if that movie doesn't come out in the summer of 2024, like, I'm that's – I'm going to be nervous. I, I'm going to start thinking some stuff is wrong. But at the same time, like you said, Deadpool 3 – set for may 2024 i would rather just see that come after it like if, if you have to have one movie in the summer of 2024 um make it captain america because then we can get to deadpool later you know that's going to be a hit and that's probably why they want it in may um in the summer because it, it, it'll go crazy um 
I'm I'm sure it's going to be good. I have no reservations. You know, keep keep all those guys forever. Um, and yeah, I mean, if those were the only two movies that came out in 2024, I I think they would be. I think the MCU would be in a good spot. But I definitely um, brave new world to happen sooner rather than later. Um. Muhammad, that is everything on our on our slate, man. There's so much that we could still keep talking about. I, I found myself writing down future episode ideas as we went. But um, is there anything else, um, MCU wise or or Loki wise that that is on your mind that we need to talk about tonight? Uh, not that I can think of. I think we hit a lot. Um, we got to do something for DC. Uh. As we get closer to to Superman uh, coming out, um, I'm Absolutely. I'm feeling a lot of buzz. Um, once you watch a lot Blue of Beetle, buzz, we'll, a lot of, we'll a lot of Beetle, bu- a lot of Beetle buzz, Beetle's buzz is that a thing? I don't think so. All right, never mind. That that one didn't work. Um, yeah, we were getting a lot of James Gunn quotes today about what's going to be continuity or, mm-hmm. or canon, I should say. Um, which characters will be held over? So yeah, we're uh, DC, DC looking up. I will see Blue Beetle once it's out on, on HBO. Um, and the fact that we crossed over to DC, I think, says all we need to say about about Marvel and where we're at right now. So, Muhammad, thank you so much for for joining once again. Happy to talk Marvel with you anytime. Happy to talk NBA. Good luck to your Lions um, tomorrow night, which will be tonight for for listeners Thursday. So we'll we'll enjoy that. Um, Everybody go uh, follow Muhammad on Twitter for his uh, various Lions thoughts. You can catch a Lions retweet every now and again. Um, but, uh, yeah, man, thanks thanks for coming on. And everybody out there, thank you so much for listening to the Simon Short Podcast. Hope you enjoyed this little break from, from some NFL stuff, but we are in the thick of it. If you listen to this pod and don't listen to – haven't listened to the Stat Sheet Podcast yet this week um, and you need some NFL fix from me, well, first off, I appreciate you listening all the way till now. and uh listening specifically for my nfl thoughts so head over to the stat sheet and head over to all of our box score network pods for um all your sports needs so thank you so much for listening we will talk to you next week have fun and be safe out there